Good morning, good news. I need to make sure that my mic is on for reasons that have been disclosed to our live studio audience. I will re-upload that video at a later date. But welcome everyone. Welcome those of you watching online. You're probably catching this on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash GNC Victoria or our anchor link, anchor.fm slash GNC Victoria. And this will also be uploaded to Spotify because if you're like me, you're watching a video, your screen turns off, can't hear the video anymore. It's the worst thing ever. Thanks, YouTube. Really appreciate that. But Spotify has solved that problem because it will continue to play in the background. So this message was not sponsored by Spotify, BTW. So we're going to go ahead and dive right in. For those of you, if this is your first time, welcome to the stream. Welcome to the show, Reverend Six in the Morning. Is that a thing? Should we make it a thing? Well, not in the evenings, but... I am Reverend Jonathan Sixto's youth pastor, associate minister, SoundCloud rapper, official person here giving you the word of God. And it doesn't matter who I am because the word of God is what matters today. We've been going through our series. You guys have seen the graphic and heard the music and everything. Valleys and peaks, peaks and valleys, ups and downs. We've covered a lot of ground. And what in life illustrates the highs and the lows of life better than relationships. Can I get an amen? amen? Feel free to drop an amen in the chat live or at a later date. But there are very few areas of life that can take us so high so quickly and then drop us down so low so quickly. And here's what we're going to do today. We're going to examine a couple of scriptures and then I'm going to share some revelations that the Lord has placed in my heart as I've been stewing on this message. You guys ever made a stew or if you're Hispanic, you ever made a caldo? Okay, yeah. so it's uh, kind of soupy, but stew's a little thicker. You kind of let it sit a little longer, and it's just meaty, and it's juicy, and you can chew on it. Think of like a pot roast, but with gravy. That's what stew is, and I love that verb because it actually is a verb also. To stew on something means that you take your time, you let it simmer, and it bubbles up a little bit. I had someone in my classroom, for those of you who don't know, I'm a teacher during the school week, and they coughed the other day, and it was juicy when they coughed. And I said, I won't say their name, but I said, man, bro, that cough right there sounded like the spaghetti sauce when it starts to bubble up. <laughs> and he started laughing, and then he started coughing again. <laughs> it was juicy, and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said anything. But that's kind of, you think of stew, you think of just liquid, thick liquid, liquid, bubbling up in the heat and the hotness. And today we're bringing you that hotness. We're gonna examine some scriptures. And the first scripture, I'll go ahead and hop over to the scripture cam. And I'm still double checking that my mic is on. Okay, all right, scripture cam. First scripture, if you wanna scroll in your Bible apps to John chapter three and verse 16. John three 16, I'm guessing you probably already know what this scripture says, but we're gonna read it anyway in the New International Version because it's so good. Turn and tell your neighbor, it's so good. Now turn and tell your other neighbor, why didn't you pick me first, neighbor? Uh, <laughs> it's okay, we still love each other. We're talking about love today. Or how do they like that? We still love each other. All right, speaking of love, John chapter 3 and verse 16, the New International Version says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Forgive my typo there. So we look here, God loved, and then he gave. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about love, and I want you to look at it this way. Remember we said stew, you can eat it, but it, we also talked about stew, the verb. And that's how I want to examine love today, love as a verb, love as an action. And it's more than a noun. It requires action. It requires, in fact, sacrifice. And God loved us so much that he gave us the most precious thing that he had. And that's what love looks like. We're going to talk today about what love looks like, what some relationships may look like, and we'll talk about kind of damage control after some relationships don't make it. But when we realize something here, I want you to realize something here as we move forward. And this is kind of our base foundational message for this sermon today. And it's this, that until Christ is enough, no one will ever be enough. And I'll say it a second time. Until Christ is enough, no one will ever be enough. Not even you. I want you to point to yourself. Not even me. And that's tough because here's how we're going to break it down. You break it down. God loved, so he gave, right? 
And so whenever we think about this verb love, this action love, it requires giving something. And it requires giving not just anything, not just leftovers, but it requires giving the best. And so when God gave Jesus to the world, what is he giving? He's giving us his best, and that's enough. He's giving us everything we needed when he gave us his one and only son. King James says his only begotten son. Jesus was there at the creation of the world. We are adopted sons, adopted daughters, but he gave us everything we needed. And so as we start talking about relationships, we need to identify the number one relationship, the most important relationship, the only relationship that we actually need, and that's a relationship with Jesus. Because until Jesus is enough, no one else will ever be enough. I love to drink coffee. In fact, this message is not sponsored by Folgers. Right? We are, we're not that big yet. Maybe one day in the future. But caffeine is a diuretic. You guys know what a diuretic means? It means it makes your body expel more liquids. That's kind of where we get the term di... Well, you, okay, you can fill in the blanks. Anyways, <laughs> speaking of liquids... Caffeine is great. I love coffee. It gives me a little warm hug on the inside, but it makes me more thirsty. Do you guys know that? In fact, unfortunately, whenever people are out at sea and they get stranded in a life raft or their plane goes down or something, many of them die of dehydration because salt water is the same way. It makes you more thirsty. And so we recognize that there are some things that for a moment, for a time, will satisfy. I'm going to sneak in another sip here. Oh, that's so good. But it's not enough. You see where we're going with this? So whenever you think, man, you know, this person brings me so much joy. They spark joy. We have so much fun. Oh, my gosh, it's amazing. But it's not enough. And you're going to continue to want more and more and more and more of this person. And then eventually figure out, you hit the wall and you're like, wow, you know, you're not enough. People love to say this phrase, right? You complete me. But they don't. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like you're just drinking more coffee or drinking more salt water and you're still thirsty for more. And you're like, why isn't this enough? Why aren't you enough? What is wrong with us? What's wrong with this? They were never designed to fix you. First of all, singleness is not a disease. So relationships are not the cure. So if tomorrow everyone's putting their little cards in somebody else's box and you're like, my box is empty. Nobody pays me in gum. You need to know that God himself looked at us and he said, you know what? I'm going to give my best card, and I'm going to put it in their box because I love them so much. I want to give them my best. And until Christ is enough for us, when we settle that in our hearts and say, you know what, Jesus? I don't need nobody else. Then you will always be looking for somebody else. Because you say, well, this person's going to do it. No, they didn't do it. Well, maybe this person will do it. No, they're not. Oh, that person will do it. And no, they're not going to do it because until Christ is enough, no one will ever be enough. So we kind of lay that foundation, and now we're going to talk into the nitty and the gritty. Not the gross, because this is youth class, not biology class, but we'll talk about what the Bible has to say. So raise your hand if you have already hit puberty. Yeah, that's pretty much everybody, right? <clears throat> yeah, most kids, and again, we've got kind of an older youth group this year. But we know how the process works. We know about the strength and the stamina, and you're like, oh my gosh, I turned 12, and now all of a sudden I can move mountains. Was that my voice? Have you guys seen Emperor's New Groove? When she's the cat, and she's like, is that my voice? Oh, well. So things change. Things change in your mind. Things change in your body. Things change all over the place. And I want to tell you this core truth, okay, because there have been a lot of mixed messages in a lot of churches over the years, and I myself have received some of those messages. There is nothing wrong with attraction. Attraction. You guys ever had two magnets, and you, like, play with them, and they're like, Zick. or you turn it around, and you're like, oop, oop, oop. I love playing with magnets, right? And then it smashes in your finger. You're like, oh, that hurt, Charlie. Oh. So attraction. We recognize magnetic attraction. And at your age, you're beginning to recognize non-magnetic attraction. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that, okay? I'm not going to stand up here and be like that preacher and say, you need to you know, keep everything in a box. And then when you get married, you're like, Merry Christmas, everybody. That's not how it works, Okay. At your age, you're going to begin to feel attractions, and you're like, oh, 
the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever, right? You flip back to Genesis and God saw that it was good. Oh, yes. Yes, very good, in fact. Now, uh, shout out to women because the Bible says it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. And then women were invented. And then God said, very good. So I'm a biblical literalist. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm a, I'm a Bible scholar myself. So shout out to the ladies. But there is, here's the thing, an overwhelming attraction. So God created everything. It was good. Men, women, naked, fine. They're married. It's okay. Adam and Eve, you know, they tied the knot even though they didn't have belly buttons. But Eve saw something that was attractive, but it was not for her. You see where we're going with this, right? Adam and Eve saw each other and they were like, oh my gosh, how mind-boggling. And that's fine because they were for each other. But then Eve saw something else that was not for her. So there's nothing wrong with attraction because we are wired for desire. We are wired for desire. But when you start to look at something that's not for you, that's where we start to get in trouble. Because Eve saw the fruit and God told her, hey, that fruit, that's not for you. You can have everything else you want within these boundaries because boundaries protect everybody. But that fruit, it's not for you. Go ahead and reach out your hand and just say, uh-uh. Uh, and if you're Hispanic, you're like, ah, caca, right? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever had a little silly? You do that with Bryler? Ah, caca. Yeah, and then Bryler's like, oh, how dare you? I'm handsome. <laughs> you, so, you call him my handsome? Oh, okay. I hear Jasmine calling it. My handsome, my Bryler. His big lips. We are wired for desire, and it is okay to appreciate things. There's nothing wrong with looking at someone and saying, wow, they're good looking. But then when we start to want that. One of the Ten Commandments is you shall not covet. And coveting is wanting to possess something that doesn't belong to you. That's where we get jealous people, right? Maybe you're going to school and you're like, oh, she's a little homewrecker and this girl was with this guy, but then she didn't like him until he was taken and now she wants him. And then as soon as he breaks up with her, now she don't want him no more. And that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had everything they could have wanted. They had food provided for them. They had a perfect climate. They didn't have to worry about the UV rays on their body. They were completely naked, and God said, that's good. In the context that I've provided your relationship, all of that stuff is good. Now, we're not going to talk about all of that stuff today. It's a different message for another time. But then Eve saw something that wasn't for her, and she looked at it. And Satan started to talk to her and say, hey, you want this, don't you? And she's like, yeah, but I'm not supposed to have it, and I'm not even supposed to touch it. And she starts twisting God's words because he said don't eat it. He didn't say don't touch it. But Eve has this kind of boundary where she goes, well, if I, if I touch it, I'm going to want it. And if I, if I keep looking at it, I'm going to want it. But she keeps looking at it, and then he talks her into touching it, and then he talks her into tasting it. And here's the problem. At our age, there are things we are not supposed to have. Now, remember, it's, there's nothing wrong with attraction. I'm not telling you not to be attracted. I'm not telling you not to feel what your body and your chemicals and your hormones are pumping out like, oh, my gosh, this guy talked to me, and now my heart rate's up. Well, calm down, Fitbit. Calm down. There's nothing wrong with feeling the way that God designed your body to feel. But there is something wrong when we want fruit that's not ours. Because once Eve tastes of that, it infects her all her relationships once she tasted of something that wasn't supposed to be hers it leads to a disconnect with her husband because she gives it to him too now she's got it now she gives it to him and then he tastes it and then it infects her relationship with god and god says i thought i told you not to that wasn't for you now look at you now you're full of shame now you feel bad like oh i wasn't supposed to have that yet and now, here's the difference, it didn't just affect her body, it affected her mind and her spirit. Because we're three-part beings, spirit, soul, body, right? And everybody talking to you, they just talk about your body. Well, your body this, and your body that, and your body changes, and, and don't let nobody touch your body, and they say, you can't touch me there, that's my dodo square, whatever they teach you in elementary or junior high, right? But we are so far beyond just the body. Because you are so much more than just a body, regardless of what Instagram tells you or Snapchat tells you or TikTok tells you or your friends tell you or whatever the latest show on the internet tells you. You are so much more than a body. And your relationships affect all three parts of your being. Because Eve and Adam, okay, everybody always trying to bash Eve. Oh, the woman sinned. Well, Romans 5.12 says, 
that the sin entered through the man because he was responsible. He was the team captain. Omaha! Omaha! It's Peyton Manning reference for the guys in the room. So Eve and Adam, they took what was not supposed to be theirs and it infected not just their bodies but their relationship, their mind, their soul, their self-image. All of a sudden they said, I need to cover everything because I have lost value. They don't want to talk to God anymore because they are ashamed. The Bible says they hid for they were ashamed. They covered their nakedness for they were ashamed. Now, pause for 20th century interpretation of the Bible. Yes, we hide our nakedness. That's good. But we also don't have to be ashamed before God. You guys remember the modesty sermon where I said you shouldn't be ashamed of your bodies, but you just don't have to show off to everybody? You know what I mean? Like you can drive a really fast car. You just don't have to do 100 on the freeway. Like you know what you got. And when it's time to use it, you use it. We'll, we'll leave that there. So here's the thing. We have to guard what God has blessed us with. Because remember, God said it is good when he created man and woman. They were naked. They didn't have any clothes, but they were with each other. They didn't belong over here with the forbidden fruit. I'm not saying that relationships or sexual encounters are forbidden fruit. I'm saying there's a right time and there's a right place. And outside of that, it's not yours. That's somebody else's fruit. See what I'm saying? You wouldn't want somebody else eating your fruit. Have any of you ever gone grocery shopping and you get excited and you get home, but your sibling gets there first? You know what I'm talking about? For me, it's the grapes. I love the grapes. And whoever eats the last grapes, they are now my mortal enemy. You know what I'm talking about? Those were my grapes, and you ate them, and they were for me. And then your mom's like, I bought the groceries for everyone. <laughs> so I want you to keep that feeling. Next time you're tempted to mess with somebody, you're like, oh, Lord, are these my grapes? Because I don't want to take somebody else's grapes. Now, speaking of what is not meant for you, we're going to talk about your bodies here for a second. We must honor God with our sexuality. Again, we're not saying that you should deny these feelings. We're just saying that you are in control of these feelings. Romans chapter 12 tells us that we shouldn't be conformed to the world, that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But then this is the part I want to get to, that we should present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, as is our reasonable service. And I really want to focus on this here because we know from the Old Testament stuff, Pastor Rosie is really good about explaining that, that sacrifices are to honor God. And he doesn't just accept any old sacrifice. And so for those of us who feel, and I say us, because I've wrestled with this too on the come up as a young young buck out here in these streets. I grew up in a small town. It was like more like country roads. Yeah, I grew up on South 119. Y'all know about that. You know about that, Lily? You know, South 119. Like before you get to Royal Oaks. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Serenity. You've been to our house, right? Okay, all right. So here's the thing. At some point in our lives, everyone on this planet doesn't like their body. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like this. I don't like this. We just don't like it. Whenever I teach teachers or kids about podcasting, they're like, oh, is that my voice? <laughs> That's your voice. We all hear it. You're the only one in the world who hears you the way you think you sound. You don't actually sound like that. But I love how St. Paul, the Apostle Paul, Paul the brother, the brick wall, he says to present our bodies, two things I want to focus on here, living sacrifices, and the second part is holy and acceptable. Because the first misconception that many young people have when it comes to church is that God doesn't want me to be a sexual being. God created you a sexual being right? We've got the hardware. That's how we got here, and that's how generations are going to continue. But God did not create us to be prematurely sexually active. See the difference there? Because some people are like, you need to stop, and you don't be thinking about that, and don't be looking at it, don't you? As if some magical switch is going to flip whenever you get married, and all of a sudden you're going to know all there is to know and everything there is to do. Now, that's a conversation you should have with your parents, and they should be the ones to enlighten you and instruct you according to the Word of God. But that doesn't mean that you don't feel. We're wired for desire. We know biology and how the body works, and there are stimuli and pheromones and hormones and all these different things. And so we're not just going to pretend that we're dead because he says present yourselves as living sacrifices. We can honor God with our sexuality. It's a strange concept, right? 
probably haven't heard that yet, but Pastor Ruben, he's talked about it before, about the, the covenant relationship, and, and he gets a little more graphic than I feel comfortable getting, but he's the senior pastor, so he can do that. But as we talk about this, we're living sacrifices. God knows that our bodies are changing. God knows that we appreciate his creation. God knows what we're dealing with in our minds, in our spirits, and in our bodies. So that brings us to the second part, holy and acceptable. And I love this, and I want to encourage you and those of you watching online, your bodies are meant to be holy, but they are already made acceptable. And I love that. About a month and a half ago, there was a special that came out on the news that social media is harming the mental health of young girls. I don't know if you guys heard about that or saw that. So people are trying to sue Facebook or Meta or whatever their company is because they knew that as we promote these images, number one, young men will be lured in to view more of these images, and number two, young women will begin to feel discontent with their own bodies. Because how is real life ever going to compare to a filter or perfect lighting or certain angles? I know how the game works, right? I've been to the gym. They've got a whole wall full of mirrors, and you just kind of turn a little bit, and you kind of stick this out, and then you kind of flex your calf, you kind of stick out your chest, and you kind of tuck your chin, and you kind of put the tongue to the roof of your Like, I know the game. You know what I'm saying? And we see that, and we're like, oh, they're so perfect. But then you turn them flat, and you turn on the lights, and you're like, ah! But the Apostle Paul here is telling us something about our bodies. Number one, we don't have to die to serve God. We can serve God while we're living. We can serve God while we're single. We can honor God with our sexuality. Not that we're active, but that we're stewarding it, that we're keeping it safe, that we're saying, I'm saving this for someone to honor God. That's my sacrifice. Because let's be honest, some of our friends are out there throwing their sacrifice around. You see what I'm saying? And it's not a sacrifice at that point. It's just meat. <gasps> That's a biblical analogy, okay, because you guys know that they had like the fatted calf and all that stuff. But what we're saying is this. The Apostle Paul is saying you can be a living sacrifice. You don't have to kill yourself. You can say, God, you've given me this gift. You've given me this body, and I'm going to keep it safe. I'm going to protect it. I'm not just going to let anybody mess with it because it's not for them. That's not their fruit. It's for someone else who's going to honor God with that. And that's what's so beautiful about marriage. I know we're talking just relationships today, but that's what's beautiful about marriage is that it honors God. You're saying, I'm giving you the best that I have. Just like God loved the world so much, he gave the best that he had, his only son. And what's the best that we have? Well, the best that we have is something that we don't give to anyone else because it's so special. So we honor God as a living sacrifice with our sexuality, but we also realize that he has honored us with this body. It's holy and it's acceptable. Don't feel like, oh, well, if I had this or if I had that or maybe if I pay a few thousand dollars and get a couple of those or get some of this gone, we're already acceptable to him. In a world that tells you if you do this, then you'll be acceptable. If you give me this, then you'll be acceptable. Or if you do this for me, then you love me. Romans 12 tells us the truth. In order to be loved, we have to focus on giving to someone special, not just what we can take. And too many times what we see as love demands things from us. You guys remember when we talked about Elijah and the prophets in the first sermon of this series? We said that false gods will always demand blood, and they'll always demand more. And it's never enough. They're never satisfied until they control you, until they take all of you. And I'm not talking like John Legend singing, all of me loves all of you. <laughs> Satan is saying all of me wants to take all of you because he knows that we're supposed to be a sacrifice to God and he wants that. I want to take what was supposed to be for God. He wants to take everything away from God. He thought he had, you know, checkmate in the chess game of eternity when he killed Jesus. Because Jesus is the son of God, but then Jesus is like, I bet. Three days, watch me raise. Give me them keys, boy, I don't play. Wow, that just happened right now. So anyways, we have living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. So we move forward. Now, I did want to mention this just for those of you watching or any of you who have friends and you have these questions, right? You can ask me these questions. I'm your youth pastor. What about same-sex attraction? What about people who grow up and they feel like, I'm a girl, I like girls. I like the way girls look. I like spending time with girls. 
I feel like girls make me happy. We have a world in which the curse from Adam and Eve, who messed up, sin was introduced, Romans 5, 12, through one man, sin entered the world, death through sin, because all have sinned. And this is one of those things that the enemy will try and twist. You guys ever seen wicker furniture? How it's twisted? The little wood fibers? Well, it's from the same root that we get the word wicked, because it's just the truth that's been twisted. Now, that doesn't mean that they're no longer an acceptable sacrifice. It just means they need to work a little harder on the holy. I heard a man who gave his testimony. He used to be a homosexual. The Holy Spirit delivered him from that, and he stands up and he shares these words, and I'll never forget these words as long as I live. He said, I thought growing up that the opposite of homosexuality was heterosexuality. See, he thought that sexuality could fix this. It can't. He says, what I learned was that the opposite of homosexuality is holiness. Because remember, we said at the beginning of this message, until Christ is enough, no one will ever be enough. And so people who are wrestling with same-sex attractions or they feel like, well, you know what, God? I reject that you made my body holy and acceptable. I'm supposed to be a boy. I'm supposed to be a girl. It's not a physical problem. It's a spiritual problem that has infected their mind. And so instead of renewing their mind, like Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He didn't say be transformed by the changing of your body. He said be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But people want to say, well, my mind is corrupted, so I'm going to align my spirit and my body with my mind instead of fixing the mind to align with the spirit and the body. Because God made you holy and acceptable. I'm not saying you don't need to wear makeup. I'm not saying you don't need to shave or cut your hair in a way that you like. Like, that's fine. I'm talking radical alterations here. We have people, and you've probably seen people who are like, well, I prefer to be called this, and I am actually that, and I reject that God made me holy and acceptable, and I need to change in order to be acceptable, and that's where we're going next. People are changing their bodies to worship their false gods. Because if the Apostle Paul says that our bodies are living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, and then another false god says, no, you need to change your body. You need more of this or less of that or bigger these or longer that or whatever. We see a false representation of God. And here's where I want to go back to John 3.16, okay? I'm going to go to the scripture cam. We see, whoops, right here, God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't ask us for anything. He didn't say, if you're good enough, I'll give you Jesus. He didn't say, if you perform in a way that I want you to, or if you look a certain way. And that's how conditional that the world gives us this false sense of love. If you're hot enough, you can be my girlfriend. If you're strong enough, or tall enough, or rich enough, or funny enough, you can be my boyfriend. That's not what love does. Love doesn't ask. Love gives. Love sacrifices. And God didn't say you're not good enough, so I'm not going to give you my son until you are. He said, I love you so much. I'm going to give you the best that I have. You're already holy. You're already acceptable the way I made you. So there in just two scriptures, we've already tackled body image issues. We've tackled gender and sexuality issues. We've tackled misconceptions about who we are and where our value comes from. So now I want to move into what does love, love, look like. So we'll go to the second scripture camera here, and I've got scripture 2. And it's 1 Corinthians 13. Everybody calls that the love chapter. Everybody. Weddings, all kind of stuff. And we're going to start in verse 4. We're going to read 4, 5, 6, and the one after 6. I think they call that 7. New International Version says... Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It does not dishonor others. Oof. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres and the next verse says that love never fails i want you to look at this so we've moved into who we are 
how we honor God with our sexuality, how we guard ourselves, we keep ourselves, we preserve ourselves. Now we're going to talk about, okay, I feel like I'm ready to jump in the game, Brother Jonathan. You got any advice? I have some advice. Plug in their names. Let's plug in, oh, I don't know, Chad. Right? And let's see if Chad meets this checklist. We've got professional sports seasons. It's the spring, so a lot of like drafts are coming up, and they say, well, let's check out his intangibles. Where does he rank on the 40 or the bench press or all these other things, right? We know how that works. Chad, is Chad patient? Or is Chad saying, why'd you leave me on red? I texted you, you need to text me back in two seconds. I don't care if you're taking a math test. <laughs> okay. Is Chad kind? Hey, Chad, I want to go watch the movie. Man, that movie, dumb. <laughs> That's not kind. Is Chad envious? Hey, I seen you give that guy a high five in the hallway, and I don't like that. I don't want you breathing the same air as other people. Does Chad boast? Hmm. Well, I don't know if you saw, but pretty sure I just got my PR in the bench press last night. Here, I got this Snapchat for you to watch. I sent it to you. Why didn't you open it? <laughs> Does Chad dishonor others? That's a real big, like they say, red flag. If someone is talking to you about someone, then you can be pretty sure they will talk about you to someone. I kind of, I sent a salty tweet. I do that from time to time, and then I have to ask for forgiveness. But it was a little rhyme, right? And it says, better watch out. If they talk about the X, you might be next. <laughs> I know, right? It's just, it's funny. It's silly. Slightly painful. Is Chad self-seeking? Well, God was not self-seeking because it says, for God so loved the world, he gave. But if Chad just wants more and more and more, I want more of your time. I want more of your attention. I want to be able to not just hold your hand, but squeeze your shoulder. Not just squeeze your shoulder, put my hand on your leg. Let's go to my place. Where are we going with this, Chad? Is Chad easily angered? The mark of a mature relationship is how you disagree. Not if you disagree, because we already know Ain't nobody out here, love is an open door. We finish each other's sandwiches. Right? You're going to disagree because you're two different people made in the image of God, holy and acceptable, obviously, but you're not the same person. And it's kind of weird that you would be attracted to someone who's exactly like you because that's low-key selfish. Right? I can only be with someone who's exactly like me. And speaking of easily angered, does Chad keep a record of wrongs? I'm going to share with you a revelation that the Lord gave me. And I want you, if you're taking notes or you put a voice memo or something, I want you to recognize that you should never, ever let someone tell you, I didn't mean that. Because Jesus said in the New Testament, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if someone says, well, I was mad or I was angry, I didn't mean that. <laughs> yes, they did. They were just hiding it from you until it was time. So there's only two options. Either... They didn't want you to know that they really thought that, or they were saving it for just such an occasion. And again, we're going to disagree. We have disagreements, but we are also dealing with selfish people like ourselves. Raise your hand if you're selfish. Y'all better raise your hand. Okay, good. <laughs> because we think of ourselves first. I mean, we're kids. We have our dreams. We have our hopes. And you're not married. So you shouldn't think of anyone ahead of yourself now you should serve and practice humility and, and as we learn and as we grow we're preparing to step into god's calling for our lives but right now your kids you know what i'm saying like if you're hungry in the lunch line you don't text somebody hey babe what should i have for lunch <laughs> who cares what they think you're gonna eat your lunch it's not that big of a deal now when you get married you're like hey babe i'm thinking about buying this house okay that's a decision you need to bring somebody in on you see what i'm saying so keeping no record of wrongs, people are going to say things to you that they did mean, and it's going to show you their actual heart. Well, you have to decide how are you going to deal with that. Are you going to forgive them? Are you going to say, you know what? I recognize that in the moment you actually did feel that way and you actually did say what you meant. So you don't have to lie to me and say, well, I just said that because I was mad. No, you didn't. You said that because I made you mad enough to reveal how you actually felt. And that's how it is but it keeps no records of wrong. That's where the forgiveness comes in. Because if you say, oh, that's okay, I know you didn't mean it, then you're saying those feelings weren't valid, those emotions weren't true, and you're saying one of these two was a lie. Either this was a lie, the anger part was a lie, or the real you was a lie. 
So don't let anyone ever tell you, oh, I didn't mean what I said. That was just the anger talking. You can still forgive what they said, but don't let them lie to you. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when you get angry and you're tempted to lash out and say something, you need to ask, where is that coming from? Because the only thing that comes out of the mouth is what was already in the heart. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. In relationships, do you like seeing someone hurt? Well, if so, we need to work on ourselves. We don't need to be in a relationship at that moment. After a relationship, do you like seeing that person hurt? If you do, we need to work on ourselves. We need to pray to God and ask for forgiveness because that is not love. And here's the weird thing. You can still love someone after you've broken up. It's a different type of love. Brotherly love, sisterly love, friendship love. Those are still options unless it's irreconcilable, in which we're going to talk about that in a minute, what to do after a breakup. But it rejoices in the truth. So if you wanted that person, but now you don't have that person and you want to see them hurt, then you never really cared for them in the first place because that's a form of control. Like, I can't have you now, but I still want to control you even though I can't have you. That's not love, guys. That's jealousy. That's envy. That's all the things that we talked about in the beginning. Those are natural human emotions. We all feel that, right? Well, I don't want her to be with him because I wanted him. You can't have him. It's not your fruit. So what are you going to do about it now? Are we going to grow? Are we going to learn? Are we going to demonstrate love? It always protects Protecting someone is recognizing, hey, we're not ready to talk about this yet. We're not ready to do this yet. You need to protect me. I'm not ready to do this yet. And if you don't respect that, then you are not ready for this yet. See what I'm saying? I hesitated to put this in the notes, but I love the way he said it, even though this guy actually like walked away from Christianity. Uh, he's got his own things he needs to deal with. But Joshua Harris wrote in his book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, the reward of commitment is intimacy. And so we think about this, right? You shouldn't feel safe with someone unless you're committed to them. Otherwise, you're not safe. And I don't want you guys to give something special or precious or reveal childhood traumas or anything like that to someone who's not committed to you because then there's no safety there, right? Your parents are committed to you because they're your parents. And so they are safe people to talk about things that are going on in your life. Maybe you've got some best, best friends that you feel comfortable talking about certain things, but don't just let it fly with anybody. Jesus told people, don't throw your pearls before the swine because they'll trample them. And sometimes we have pearls and we're like, oh, I just need to get this out. Let me share this with someone. But if they're not going to protect it, if they're not committed to your protection, it's not love. You shouldn't give that to them. It always trusts. Notice how protect came before trust, right? Big trust. See me, Lamar Jackson, MVP. Who said, was that Mark Ingram? Yeah, right? So big protect before big trust, Mark Ingram. See me. Always hopes and always perseveres. If you're suspicious, if you are always tracking someone like, hey, I see you on the snap map. I thought you were home by now. That's not love, guys. That's like the Chinese surveillance state. You know what I'm saying? Like, interesting that you opened my message, but you didn't answer, but you tweeted. Hmm. You posted on your story. What's the story here? So at our age, we realize, wow, I'm, I'm really not ready to jump into a marriage covenant. Now, I'm not your parents. I'm not going to tell you when you are mature enough to date because that's y'all's decision. But I'll tell you, you recognize now what it takes to love. Notice how I separated those two? The date. It's not exactly love, because love is so much more serious than a junior high dance or somebody in your bio or somebody in your profile. Like love, love takes a lot, guys. I've actually made the commitment not to tell someone I love you, like romantically, obviously. I've got friends I tell them I love you all the time, until I propose. That's pretty serious, right? <laughs> like, oh, oh, this guy, he's a weirdo. But that's the thing. Like, I recognize what love looks like, and I have cared for people. I have adored people, but I didn't let that word come out because I don't want to cheapen this. You know what I'm saying? For me personally, that's my fruit, and I don't want to just give it to anybody. So that's my conviction. Again, I'm not putting this purity culture on you and saying, you know, true love waits and cover those collarbones, you nasty or whatever, right? So let's talk about this. Let's say, okay, Brother Jonathan, I recognize that I'm honoring God with my sexuality. I'm 
stewarding my body. It's a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. I know what love looks like. I thought maybe I was in love. <laughs> it's Snow White, right? So what happens if it doesn't work out? Mm, 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 mm. Well, I'll tell you this. If you never want to be hurt, all you have to do is never go on adventures, right? But Dory, in Finding Nemo, said, well, that's kind of boring, right? If you never let anything happen to him, nothing will ever happen to him. Now, I'm not saying that you need to go out and have babies at 15 or go get a tattoo and try drugs and all this crazy stuff. I mean, there's nothing. Technically, depending on the tattoo, I think it could be. That's a very long discussion, actually. I shouldn't have brought that up right now. But <laughs> the other stuff, like the drugs and sex stuff, no, that's, that's a no. Caca. But adventures sometimes lead to injuries, sometimes lead to pain. And the most important thing to remember after a breakup or during a breakup or before your breakup is that he or she, remember there's only two options, are made in the image of God. I'm going to say that again. The most important thing to remember in a breakup is that he or she is made in the image of God and respect is key. Again, don't settle for vague apologies like we talked about. I'm sorry for what I said because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But as we get into this, Here's the next revelation I want to give to you guys that the Lord gave me as I was stewing on this. Once you are separated from someone, it's easy. It's a strong temptation to want to change their image. Okay. Once you're separated from someone, it's so easy to want to change their image. People who have been separated from God are now wanting to change his image. Well, I, I couldn't be a Christian because it's so restrictive and it's so uh, just close-minded and it's so this and it's so that. But they've taken their focus off of love. The Bible tells us that God is love, for God so loved. What manner of love has God given us that we should be called the sons and daughters of God? What can separate us from the love of God? I mean, I could go on. God is love, but people who now hate God have to change his image because you can't hate love, right? Or they'll try and change the image of love. And they say, well, love wins, and love is love. And who are you to tell me who I can love? And now we actually have in, I can't remember if it's New Zealand or Australia, they're trying to lower the age of consent to like 14 so that you can fool around with kids. Children. See what I'm saying? That's not love. Here's 18. You mess around with a minor, you go into prison. See what I'm saying? But over there, they're like, well, love is love. There are people who actually want to say it's the, it's not pedophile. It's, I don't remember what they call it, like young attracted. They're trying to change the image, right? Once you've separated, it's easy to change the image because you don't have to face them. See where we're going with this? And once people have separated from God, they can say, well, I'm not a boy or I'm not a girl because I'm not made in the image of God. And maybe that's not us here today, but this may be us here today. Separating from a former relationship brings a temptation to smear their image. And maybe that's been done to you too. Maybe you were with someone and you knew exactly what that was like, but then afterwards they say, oh, he this, and oh, she that, and oh, y'all don't even know, and oh, the things I went through, let me put on this country song and just feel the vibes. <laughs> and we want to, we want we want vindication, maybe not justice. Justice means what is right is done. Vindication means I get that feeling that I've been done right. We want revenge is a better word. We don't want justice, we want revenge. Because revenge feels good for a little bit. Justice doesn't always feel good. If someone kills one of your relatives and they get justice, they go to prison for the rest of their life, they're still alive, your relative's still dead. It doesn't feel like justice. But again, our feelings are temporary. That's our mind. We need to remember we're spirit and body. And even the person who did you wrong is not just mind, but they are spirit and they are body. So we have to remember they're made in the image of God. And sometimes there's a temptation to smear their image. Oh, well, if I'd only known at the beginning, I would have, oh, if I could have just saved myself. And so we want to smear them. It's just a natural reaction. Or they try and smear us, even people who aren't here today, have dealt with that. Oh, this person's saying these things about me that are not true because they're separated. And now in order to make themselves feel better, they have to smear, oh, the, what a waste of my time. Oh, I can't believe that. Ugh. But we have to recognize 
that that's only an attempt to stop our own hurting. Because it is so difficult to realize this person is made in the image of God. I am made in the image of God. We are not for each other, and that's okay. We don't want that to be the case. We want to say, I'm made in the image of God. God's on my side, so this person is against us. Y'all are all siblings in here. You know what it's like whenever you're in a fight with your sibling, and so you try and get to your parents first, right? Mom, Michael did this. Mom, Major did this. Um, Bryston's being weird, right? Vinny, I mean, there's a kind of a bigger age gap between you and your brother, so y'all don't, like, fight like close-in-age siblings might, maybe. I'm not throwing shade to anybody here. I am also a sibling. My sister and I don't have the perfect relationship, but we have a good relationship. For that, I'm glad. But when you're separated with someone, the temptation is to change their image. Guys, you don't have to do that. You don't have to make them look bad to make yourself look good. Sometimes the best thing for you to do is just to take it to God. Because again, if someone is so ready to hear what you have to say about that person, chances are they're going to go report to that person. See what I'm saying? I saw on Twitter the other day, it said, not every friend request is a friend request. Some are surveillance cameras. <gasps> and so we recognize the valleys and the peaks are what we're talking about. We know, man, it feels so good to be desired because we're wired for desire. And for someone to tell us that we look good. Mm, yes, my body is holy and acceptable. Thank you, boo. But then we also, some of us know what it feels like to be rejected or unwanted. And then we begin to question, am I desirable? Am I worth loving? Is this person better than me or hotter than me or funnier than me or smarter than me or more athletic than me? Why do they get to enjoy what I can't? But we all get to enjoy the same thing for God so loved. We were created to enjoy relationship, but first and foremost, with God, and then with each other. And through the valleys and peaks of family, friendships, romantic relationships, the Lord is with us, loving us. If we look into ourselves and we recognize, man, I'm still a little selfish. I still get angry very easily. I'm still working on a lot of these things, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 talk about. And I, I mean, I'm in my 30s and I'm still working on it. You're never going to find the perfect person because the perfect person's not out there. The perfect person is up there wanting to get in here for God so loved. And that's what I want to encourage you guys with today. Regardless of whoever it didn't work out with, whoever you wish you had, Jesus loves you. We sing that song when we're in the children's church, right? Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. We say Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And nothing changes when you grow up. You can't do anything that would stop God from loving you because you never did anything for him to start. In a world that tells you you're only worth love if God so loved. And I want you to remember that today. Can I pray with you guys as we dismiss? Lord, thank you so much for your word. Your word and the scriptures that we've read many, many times, but now we realize, wow, we can honor you with our sexuality. We can present ourselves as living sacrifices, and our bodies are holy and acceptable. You made us just the way we are, and you love us just the way we are. We don't have to change for you. We don't have to become someone that you would like. You love us. And God, we ask you to forgive us of accepting less than love for ourselves or giving less than love to others. We ask you to forgive us for the times that we've hurt people in relationships. And God, we ask you to give us strength and healing in the times that we have been hurt in relationships. Lord, we seek first of all to love you, that we would listen to you, that we would read your word, that we would become the person that our future mate would be ready and willing to love. Not that we have to perform for them, but that we could become who you envisioned us to be for them. And even recognizing for all the years, even if there is no one in the future, that we would become for you, first of all. That marriage is not the cure for a disease of singleness, but that it is honoring you. It's that sacrifice that Paul is talking about. And if we don't have that gift yet, that we would continue to guard, guard ourselves. Not give what doesn't belong to people and not reach like Adam and Eve did for fruit that's not ours. 
Lord, heal our hearts today, tomorrow, as we see everyone on social media celebrating if they found love or what they think is love. And help us to prepare our hearts to minister to those also brokenhearted. Jesus came and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. God, you know that we mess up when it comes to love. But you didn't mess up when you made our bodies. And you didn't mess up when you gave your only son because you love us so much. Help us to remember that we are loved by you even before anyone else has. And that if we are self-deceived or we feel down or we think, man, I've messed up and no one's going to want me after what I've done or look what happened here or I'm not enough. God, we rebuke those lies and we receive your love. Help us to love our family. Help us to love our friends. And then in your timing and in your season, help us to be whole so that we don't attempt to place all of those expectations and all those unrealistic needs on someone else. God, you supply all of our needs. Philippians 4.19 says, according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus, because you gave Jesus and he is all we need, we realize that until Christ is enough, no one else will ever be enough because that's just a false God. Jesus fulfills our every need and we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for tuning in. It's been a wild ride. Wow, 52 minutes. That's crazy. But we are going to go ahead and kind of rewind. I'm going to talk about Moses in the wilderness Wednesday night. I'm going to make sure my mic is on. Talking about peaks and valleys, right? Yeesh. But we definitely are so glad that you were able to join us today. Encourage you. Share this with a friend. Not your, maybe not your ex right away because that's kind of sending a message. But you can find all of our archives at youtube.com slash gncvictoria. If you've got a friend who's going through some heartache or you have someone who feels like they're not enough, they have to keep performing for God's love, let them know, hey, dig into the word. You are holy. You're acceptable. You can be a living sacrifice. You can honor God with your sexuality. You can respect people that you are no longer in relationship with. Guys, we covered a lot of ground. I'm going to need some more coffee. Mm. But those of you watching online, you're going to miss out because we're about to dive into this rich, sugary goodness and have ourselves a little Valentine's party because we are worthy of love just the way we are. But as always, remember, guys, and I say this every time, I love you and God loves you. I'm praying for you and he is watching over you. And we will see you all next time.